Hello, I am Yogini Sunita and this is Meditation, Yoga and Stuff podcast. I believe my dharma or my life's purpose is to share my understanding of meditation, yoga and Ayurveda, holistic healing science of India. I make these amazing wisdoms accessible and adaptable for present times. So let's start. Hello and welcome to the podcast. Today's our guest is Eve Gauski. I have been very fortunate to be in one of Eve's classes. Eve have come to our nature care teacher training to share her wisdom about yoga. I will let you introduce herself about her yoga background and how she came in the contact of yoga and how it became the passion she follows now. Eve has been teaching for many years in Australia. So I will hand over to you, Eve. Please introduce yourself. Thank you for being here. Thank you very much. Welcome. Oh, well, thank you, Sunita, for your warm welcome. And I'm really happy to be here. As Sunita introduced me, I'm Eve Grzybowski. You might detect U.S. accent because I was born in Chicago, but I try to convince people in my adopted country, Australia, that I'm Australian, but I think I'll always have this accent, even though I've been here for 46 years. I learned yoga originally in the United States. I was a young mother. I was 27 years old. And a friend of mine dragged me along to a yoga class. I'm forever grateful to her. Although I think she might not have pursued yoga after our first 10-week course. So because I was a young mother, I couldn't really get to continuing classes. So I went out and I bought books. And my first book was a very funny title. It was called 20. Eight Days Yoga, 28 Days to a Better Body, or something like that, which was a little bit my orientation at that time, because I was the one that had the baby fat after the baby was born, and I wanted to get my body back in shape. But I absolutely loved yoga, and from the very first class that I did, I knew that I was going to pursue this thing, even though I didn't know what it was. And so I devoured that book, and then I made little three-by-five cards of the poses that were in that book, because I thought, maybe I can put together my own practices. And I've never really known of other people that did such a thing, but I think it just showed how great my interest was. And eventually, I came to Australia, and I discover different kinds of yoga. I guess you could say that I was non-denominational, that I'm more of a lay yogini than following a religious path to yoga. That's just my way. Maybe it's because I'm American. I don't know. But it's worked for me. But I was lucky I discovered Satyananda yoga and was introduced to that by a really lovely German teacher. I discovered Oki Yoga, which was kind of like a Japanese derivative of yoga. It was so strong and so dynamic that I called it Kamikaze Yoga. (laughs) And and I tried to keep up with that for a while. 
And then someone said, go to classes with Martin Jackson in Bondi Junction. And when I went to his classes, I heard about something that was called I- Iyengar Yoga. And that was a really good period of learning for me. I did teacher training with him, even though I thought that was audacious, that I knew nothing and I really wasn't ever going to be qualified to be a teacher. But I did that program. I apprenticed with him. And I did something that's really not done very much these days, unfortunately. I treated him as my mentor and I did as much yoga as I could over a three-year period with him. And then I just got to the point where I thought, okay, that's enough. (laughs) It's time to have some other influences. This is what I mean about being non-denominational. But I did go to the Iyengar Institute in Pune Mm -hmm. on two occasions and studied with Gita and Prashant Iyengar. And more than that, I had the Indian experience. I just fell in love with the area that I was in, in Pune, and with the Indian people. Mm. And I haven't been back in recent times, but I think before too late, (laughs) I should go back there. Uh, So that was, I think, 1984, 86, something like that. And then... Towards the end of the 80s, I felt like there was something missing. There was a missing piece to this puzzle. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't necessarily that it wasn't there, but I just hadn't experienced it. And it was love, connection, belonging. And so I did some courses through something that's called the Human Awareness Institute, which is based in San Francisco. And they were courses that were being offered in Australia. And they were very much about, they were all about relationship, relationship with yourself, relationship with others. And so went on for a few years. So that was great teaching. And at the same time, I was developing osteoarthritis. So I would say that it's not always the case that people have personages, you know, people in their lives that are their teachers, but sometimes illness and disease can be teachers too. So I generated something in me that was willpower to learn about and deal with this disease that I had. And I pursued an interest in Ayurvedic medicine. Mm -hmm. Um, Up until that point, I just really was interested more in the physical side of yoga. Mm -hmm. But because I had to deal with something that I didn't have tools for, I started learning about this lifestyle system, which I think I've adopted wholeheartedly afterwards. And Sean Matthews is a really lovely doctor in Sydney who I went to some consultations with. He's also a medical doctor. I read lots of books and tried to understand how they related to me and my constitution. And so that was one strand that I pursued that my arthritic condition was pointing me to, Mm -hmm. but also the more reflective practices. So because of being so physical, 
I'd sideline things like pranayama, meditation, even shavasanas and, and that really important part of yoga that can be overlooked, but really doesn't, you don't have the whole picture of yoga unless you have those strands. And so in that period, I submitted to audio recordings. I didn't have teachers at my fingertips who were helping me on this path. So I studied through these recordings with Dr. Richard C. Miller, who is now known for iRest, and encountered Yoga Nidra in a really significant way at that point. And also John Kabat-Zinn, who is known for being a mindfulness teacher. But I think of him more as my teacher of loving kindness. And that's a practice that I adopted. And I've never stopped doing. It's just something that fulfills me. But maybe I'm just one of those people that needs to be reminded how important an open and vulnerable heart is. So am I talking too much, Sunita? No, I am just loving it. It just, <laughs> you are such an amazing. I'm mesmerized by your wisdom and understanding. And we do grow, yoga practice grow with us in a way, isn't it? Like I remember being young and, and having all the physical aspect more important, you know, in yoga practice and then moving there towards the meditation becomes important in some point in life. And you said it very correctly that when the illness strikes, you know, when everything is hunky-dory, you know, we want to go into these crazy pretzel poses. But when illness strikes, that's when true beauty of yoga opens up. And that also from my personal experience, I have experienced that as well, that we start to see the different aspect of yoga. And yoga is an experience as you, that, you know, almost like grow with that experience and it helps us to evolve ourselves for better. I can't imagine my life without yoga because, uh, you know, it's just given me so much. And all aspects of yoga, as you mentioned that, you know, asana, meditation, pranayama, mindfulness, everything like pratyahara practices like yoga nidra. Everything comes under that umbrella of yoga. In modern world, uh, we mainly, uh, when we say yoga, it's considered asana, but we know from our personal experience that it is more than that. When you came to our Nature Care College, I remember you talking about experience, how yoga helped you into going through difficult time in your life, you know, a loved one passing and how yoga helped you to, you know, to grow through that. And you mentioned at that time that, you know, yoga helped you understand to let go. And if you want to talk a little bit about like how that aspect of yoga, like how that happened. I know it was a long time ago, but like how letting go and yoga is connected. Maybe you can talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? you don't really have any choice in the matter. We've experienced so much of the need to let go with the mm -hmm. virus that's been stalking us for the last more than two years. And we think that we have everything under control, but actually we never do. And so it's better to learn that lesson early. 
but I wasn't prepared to, you know, when I was diagnosed with this arthritic condition, I thought that's the end of my teaching career. I'm going to be invalided and like that. But actually when I, I don't know, when I dug in and I learned more and I adopted these practices, I realized that one of the things that had been keeping me together for so many years, you know, like decades was tension mm-hmm. and, and stress. And it sounds funny, but that's part of what I needed to understand, which was it can be frightening for people. I think Judith Lassiter says this, that, and she's the doyenne of restorative yoga. She says that it takes courage to learn to relax. Mm. And so I had that big time going on. Oh, I'm so, what if I fall apart, you know, if I relax too much? So that was in the 90s. And I actually forestalled the need to have surgery on my arthritic hips until 19 years down the track. And I learned so much about my own personal anatomy, my own psychology, and, you know, letting go. But there was more going on, like my teacher, Martin Jackson, developed a brain tumor, and he actually died in the beginning of the 90s, 1990. And that was a shock, you know, like Mm -hmm. having this really formally strong, dynamic teacher just weaken so quickly and die. And I stayed with him in New Zealand for about 10 days. And I just saw, you know, that you have to have tools, you know, that are more than the physical body. And then that decade too, in the 90s, my sister developed lung cancer. And the prognosis was that she was only going to live for three months. She actually lived for four more months, but I saw her in decline. Mm-hmm. And and I realized, you know, that there's so much that needs to be understood about not just your life and how you're living it, but the process is, is about being diseased, aging, and eventually dying. So as a result of that, and since I've lived in this semi-rural area that I'm in, I've been trained to be a palliative care volunteer. And my brief really is to be with people who are at end stage of life. And Martin and my sister Sue taught me a lot about that. You know, like when you can't do anything for yourself or you can't do anything for another person in terms of curing a disease, all you can do is hold space to open up to them, open your heart up to them. So that's what I'm doing at this time in, in the volunteering part of my life. Wow, but, such an amazing gift you're giving people, you know. It, oh, and, and people always say that, Sunita, but it's the reverse, you know, like the gifts come to us who volunteer in that capacity. And anybody who does it would say that. It's um, an absolute privilege, you know, to hold the hand of somebody that's going through that. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes they're not willing, you know, like they're just fighting it until the very last. But yeah, you just have to speak the language of your heart, even if you can't communicate your support for people. Mm-hmm. And I think 
you probably know my age. I'm, I'll be 78 at the end of this year. And I've been involved in yoga practice for more than 50 years and teaching for more than 40 years. And if anybody had had me look into the crystal ball and see where I am now, I probably would have said, Oh no, why doesn't she still do highlights? You know, like all that gray hair. <laughs> wrinkles and but um you know aging is a really beautiful thing potentially if that's another area that you can let go into and part of it is is being willing to let go to of aspects of your identity and i think that's a really big part of yoga except that nobody wants to do that not very many people willingly give up, you know, physical abilities or mental or emotional abilities, cognitive abilities. They're usually things that get kind of ripped away from you. But, you know, I've seen this in myself is that it's actually quite nice, the aging process, because if you're willing to let go, then you actually have more freedom and space and it can be a relief to be able to do that. Beautifully said, very beautiful. I totally agree with you. I mean, every wrinkle has a story, you know, and it has its beauty. I remember my looking at my grandma and I always found her face beautiful and caring and loving, you know, that's my grandma. That kind of, you know, connection we have with the older generation, it's very important. And I, I can't wait to be grandma. My daughter will not agree with me, but, you know, <laughs> it's, just, <laughs> it's just for me, I think it is a beautiful thing. There is a wisdom in, you know, youth has that brash mentality and, you know, taking on board. Everything is like we, we don't even think twice, but we age we become more aware conscious and we also start giving more to society this is my own experience like we start um, that's why i started the podcast that's why i started to you know share more freely now i don't think what people will think because i'm at this stage like <laughs> share this, i'm going to share this you know Yes. So I'm happily, you know, happy to share that this wisdom of yoga without any fear, which comes with, I think, youth, like, how do I look? What's happening? Like, we get caught into that look side of it, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think with age comes that beauty of, of the wisdom that, you know, that experience and what you are offering this palliative yoga. I think it's very amazing. Would you like to share a wisdom behind it? Like what exactly happens if you're okay with sharing that? Like what is a palliative yoga and how you help people? <laughs> well, this isn't a niche, yeah. um, palliative yoga. It's a very separate thing. Yes. So it's a place where you can express being a volunteer for people that are near to the end of their lives and to their cares. So that might be a spouse or or close friend. And I came to realize when I took on the training to do this, that there is a huge team of people. 
at this time in a person's life. So there are obvious people like oncologists and occupational therapists and physiotherapists and grief counselors and like that. So I feel really proud, you know, to be just a little part of this huge team that looks after people to make them comfortable at, you know, the most difficult part of their lives. Mm. And it's very interesting to be with somebody who is, you know, going to die. Sometimes it takes <laughs> a few years and they're in the palliative system like that. Or I was with somebody last week who I met for the first time on Thursday and then during the night on Friday or during the early morning, he died. So I was with his wife the next day and helping, trying to help um, her through a very difficult day. And yeah, so we did training for this, but I don't think you can actually be trained. You just have to be there and be with somebody. And like I said, there's a, a team of the volunteers and we meet once a month and talk about the various situations that we've been in. And it's kind of like being presented with an encyclopedia of all the different ways that people exit the planet. Yeah. And so people do it a bit of kicking and screaming and other people do it with utmost grace. Um, and sometimes even, it sounds funny, but enjoyment because it's the end, you know, like if you are ever going to be able to laugh and to enjoy your family and have people around you, it's at that stage and it really, really can buoy some people up. Yes. I think death is only a certain thing in our life, really. But we are so afraid of it as a human being, you know, and that's why we cling on to youth. And I think it's really that's the biggest letting go. I think, you know, if the opportunity presents, I don't know how I will react, to be very frank. I hope that I react uh, openly and, you know, elegantly, but never know what is in our uh, store for us. But having said that, having volunteers like you and support system is massive, I think, you know, that's that's going to be emotionally, mentally really, really good to have some kind of support like that. So thank you for doing that. Um, <laughs> I have a question about your daily practice. What is your daily practice looks like now? Yeah, I was going to say something about that. You have to minister to your needs as an older person. So it's true that your strength wanes. So you need to keep working on that um, just to be able to maintain the amount of strength that you have and stamina. The kind of aerobic exercise that I do is going to sound funny. I just came from a class that I did this morning, which is called a bar class, B-A-R-R-E, not like um, being at the pub. And it has aerobic aspects to it. It has strengthening aspects. You work on leg muscles and gluteal muscles. And I do that once a week because I think it's important, especially with me who has two artificial hips, 
to keep up that kind of, especially lower body strength. But I know now that I have to do a relaxation every day. And so no matter what, there'll be that time during the day. And I alluded earlier to my loving kindness practice, which I've taken in wholeheartedly. And that's another practice that I do every day. I find that things don't go that well if I haven't included those two things. Mm -hmm. But then I do asanas, I do yoga nidra sometimes, I do the meditation that I do is usually loving kindness, but sometimes I'll do other kinds of meditation. Mm -hmm. And um, there's always, and then there's the things that are part of living, like gardening. (laughs) (laughs) And if that doesn't get done, then the weeds will beat me. (laughs) We walk on the beach often, my husband and I, we live close to the ocean, or we walk in the, lovely semi-rural area that we're in regularly. I think that kind of covers it. Yes, yes. Beautiful. I mean, it shows your approach to the life, you know, you bringing in the regular practices is very important. I think no matter what is our age, you know, it's really important to work with what's happening in our life. And sometimes we think that, you know, I will do the practice tomorrow or procrastination. Do you get something, these kind of situations? Like, do you still procrastinate or do you are you very regular with your practices? That's the thing about getting older is that you pay for it. Mm. You know, when you're younger, you can get away with it. And probably <laughs> I did that when I was younger. But, you know, you might wake up with early morning backache you know, if you haven't taken care of that aspect of yourself. Or you might get really grumpy with your spouse if you haven't taken care of those emotional and relationship things through your practice. So, yeah, (laughs) I don't think I've ever said that before. That is definitely a benefit of getting older. (laughs) (laughs) That's, That's beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. Really appreciate and is there anything else you want to share with our viewers? Like, how are you teaching? Are you teaching online or things like that? And where can our listeners find you? Do you have a website? Okay. I can say something about, I made a list of all the teachers that I've had over my yoga lifetime. And on that list, I put a couple of women on it. And Judith Hanson Lassiter is there, and also Donna Farhi, because I felt like a lot of my early influences, especially, were from male teachers. And I've become more interested in maybe an approach to yoga that I hate to call it more feminine, but mm, gentler and slower. Mm. One of my students and teaching colleagues is Anna Davis, and she calls her yoga feminine yoga. I wouldn't go that far, but I think I want to make the way that I teach accessible to people as much as possible. Not overly simple or easy, but accessible because they're going through the vehicle of the body and understanding how the machine works better. 
Mm. So with that in mind, for quite a bit of last year, I've put together some videos. So these are video classes that are on my YouTube channel, mm -hmm. which is Yoga with Eve Grzbowski on YouTube. I'll put that in the show notes for the listeners. So I'll take that information and put it for them to have access to your classes. Thank you for yeah. taking that. And I will personally do those classes as well because I love your teaching style. Uh, mm. Experience it personally and I loved what you shared with us. I remember you teaching, with, you have a grace to yourself. Like you, you are so... I remember you gliding on the floor. <laughs> That's the image I have. You know, beautiful energy gliding on the floor. Like that's how I remember you always. Mm. That's how your presence for me is, you know. For me, like I may not remember people's name, but I remember energy. A lot of my <laughs> students also know that. Like I remember people in the form of energy. It's for me, like you gliding on that floor and teaching us very effortlessly, you know, giving us tricks of the asanas and how each body needs to adapt it differently. And that time we were just sitting there in awe of you teaching us. I remember that. I'm sure your style you have changed, but that I think that effortlessness of sharing your wisdom is still there because uh, in this interview also, I can sense that, you know, that you are uh, very comfortable with yourself to share what you have, your understanding. Is there anything else would you like to share to our listeners about what yoga gave you personally? Any Anything you want to share in that relation? Well, going back to the early part of the interview and saying that I got books, I tried to teach myself, I made my three by five cards, that's the most important thing about taking up yoga, really, is the practice of it mm. and the experience of it. So not everybody gets to that stage where they want to take on doing personal practice. But if you do, and you don't even have to start early, then you've got a companion for life. And so I encourage anybody to do some practice as you can doesn't matter what it is because when you take that on as a commitment then yoga draws you it calls to you so you don't have to do all the work yourself about being disciplined and so forth you start to reap the benefits of it so and in the uh, mid-90s i wrote a book called teach yourself yoga well, I don't even know if that's true that you can teach yourself yoga. <laughs> it really helps to have teachers along the way. Yeah. But I just wanted to create a book that people could look to, to have something at home. Like I had something at home that I could use mm -hmm. and, and be inspired by that. So it, but it's all about trying to win people over to practicing yoga. Beautiful. Thank you. Very well said. I mean, I truly believe that yoga, you know, we think that we chose yoga, but yoga chooses us, you know, the path of yoga. And then what we do with that is up to us really, you know, like how we adapt that into our day-to-day -day life. 
for me i registered yoga a lot initially you know and um, but it was always there and so i had to like surrendering was necessary for me so i surrendered to it and magic happened life completely transformed similarly ayurveda i was like oh this is another thing like you guys already a huge wisdom will i take on board ayurveda and should i take on board and how it's going to but then it was always there like that that wisdom was there and then i learned to combine and share that and just magic happens you know and so this opportunity is given to us and i think we all adapt it according to our sanskaras our way of life our you know weave it into our life according to what's happening in our life and i think as you said this struck me so much struck a note i should say that you know you're never alone because you guys there with you you know oh that's beautiful i truly truly believe that that gives you courage it's a true friend you have you know that's very well said so thank you for sharing that <laughs> <laughs> well thank you for this opportunity to talk to you and also that connection long ago it makes me really happy when people take up the path of teaching yoga and teaching others and it makes us part of a teaching circle yes. and and spreading you know the love in wider and wider circles so thank you Thank you so much Eve. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in. I really appreciate that that you're taking this time out of your day. Don't forget to subscribe. Take care. Bye for now. Bye.